morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 2nd of June, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with Roman Canciani. Then I'll be asking my colleague Tim Gagey for his latest thoughts on currencies and metals. And finally, I'll be speaking to Carsten Menke about digital assets. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Roman. So it's been a short but very busy week for financial markets. I mean, we've had the US debt ceiling discussions where the legislation has now been passed just days ahead of a looming US default. Yields across markets have been falling on speculation that the Federal Reserve is likely to leave its policy rate unchanged at their next meeting in June. And European inflation data has come in lower than anticipated this week. So what's the latest this morning, Roman? Yes, good morning, Helen. Indeed, uh, there's been a lot going on in financial markets over the past days, and yesterday was no different. In the morning, we had inflation data out in the Eurozone for May, and they surprised to the downside, coming in at 6.1% compared with 7% in April. Still, yields across the Eurozone did not react that much, as most economists believe inflation is still too high for the likes of the European Central Bank, and that another rate hike of one quarter of a percent in June remains the base case scenario. This morning, however, ECB Governing Council member François Villarroi de Gallo is on the tape saying that the ECB is more or less done with rate hikes and that it's time now to pause and wait and see whether all the hikes done are enough to rein in inflation in Euroland. In the US, meanwhile, yesterday's data showed that factory activity shrank for the seventh consecutive month in May, with costs for materials falling by the most in nearly a year. This and some comments from Fed speakers who said that the US central bank might be in a position to keep its policy rate unchanged at their upcoming meeting helped US Treasury yields to significantly fall. Ten years are trading at 361 this morning, while two years are at 435 both significantly lower than at the beginning of this week. Right. So the rally across the whole yield curve in US treasuries, but also across Eurozone government bond markets over the last few days has been significant. But there are data points which would actually caution investors from believing that rates have peaked. Is that right? Absolutely. Although most market participants meanwhile think that the Federal Reserve won't hike in June, a majority also believes that another rate hike of 25 basis points remains rather likely in July. And one of the reasons for this is the US labor market, which remains rather strong, as several readings showed this week. The ADP report released yesterday, for example, showed that the economy added 278,000 jobs in May, beating expectations of about 170,000 only. That's why today's US jobs report, released at 2.30 our time, is so important. The market currently believes that this is going to be the last piece of the puzzle, convincing the Federal Reserve to stay pat in June. So look out for the change in non-farm payrolls numbers, which is expected to come in at a plus of 195,000 after last month 253,000. Should it come in stronger, US Treasury yields are likely to spike. So despite the rate uncertainty, uh, US markets rallied yesterday. The S&P 500 index was at 1% and the Nasdaq even more. Uh, What's the story there? 
Yes, it was a renewed rally in tech mega caps, which uh, triggered a rather good day on Wall Street yesterday. Just one day after many had called the anything AI-related rally over, it was exactly that chord again which drove prices up. NVIDIA, as a case in point, rose 5.2% yesterday. In a tech space, all eyes were also glued to the earnings report of Broadcom, which published after the close of trading and which overall disappointed not due to AI-related gains and forecasts, but due to a wider sales slowdown. But the market rally was broad overall. Tech was outperforming, but industrials, materials, energy and consumer discretionary stocks were all up strongly too. Consumer staples and utilities were the only sectors at Wall Street in the minus yesterday. Right. So did Asian equities catch the bid of Wall Street overnight? I mean, Asia and especially Hong Kong have had a pretty tough week so far, no? Yes, well, Asian stocks are up strongly this morning too in the slipstream of Wall Street, with uh, tech stocks driving gains here too. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index is up roughly 3.5%, but shares in Japan, Australia and also mainland China are all up too. Uh, But I think it's fair to say that investors overall are not that excited about the prospects for Asian economies currently due to the weakening of the China reopening narrative. In a survey ranking the biggest economic concerns, investors earmarked China's ballooning levels of municipal borrowing as the region uh, number one financial risk this year. Okay, and just finally then, what's in store for investors today as the trading day gets going here in Europe, apart from the US jobs report, of course, which you mentioned before was going to be important? Yes, uh, well, for the first time this week, uh, there are actually not that many important new data points for Europe expected. And also in terms of pending earnings reports, uh, it's a rather quiet day. So trading will most likely remain muted, but uh, at higher prices in the morning before data are released in the US. So uh, that's it from me. Very good. Thank you very much, Roman, for filling us in. Now, Tim, thanks for joining us on today's show. Good morning, first of all. Good morning, Helen. Now, we saw quite the turnaround in FX markets yesterday. What did you make of it all? Yeah, absolutely right. It was a really interesting day yesterday. And honestly, we did not see any particular reason for such a snap back. Some of it may be related to month end. This can distort flows. But the other thing that obviously went on is this uh, once again uh, removal of the debt ceiling issue or kicking the can down the road. It doesn't seem that likely that that would really explain why the dollar weakened, especially when we see gold up to 1980 again. So as you can probably tell, that's a lot of words to explain how I'm not really sure exactly why the dollar sold off. Nonetheless, it was very much the move we were waiting for here. And we rather expect the dollar to continue to see some selling pressure. Euro dollar is very much in the middle of its range. And even sterling dollar cable still has a way to go before we test even the May highs. So there is plenty of room for this action to extend. And what about the commodity currencies and particularly the Aussie dollar? That was really struggling last week, as I remember. Indeed. Having been very keen to buy Aussie dollars somewhere below 0.67, we were rather surprised and disappointed to see it so quickly down below 0.65. However, hopefully everyone held their nerve because this morning we are back above 66. And I think if a broad-based dollar selling move continues, then we should see a cyclical risk on currencies such as the Aussie dollar really benefit, even given the fact that we think the, the market seems to think anyway that the uh, central bank is probably on hold there. Even here, indeed, we get some pretty interesting levels for a reverse convertible, perhaps even an accumulator, bullish TAF, 
Um, so even if you did not catch the big move lower, it would still or it might still be worth having a look at it here. We keep a positive outlook on the currency on our desk. And you mentioned gold earlier. Are you surprised that gold is higher today? Yeah, a little bit. My expectation was rather that we might see gold lower once we had a resolution to the debt ceiling issue, especially with rates so high all over. Clearly, gold seems to be performing once again rather more like a regular risk on currency now rather than anything safe haven related. It's quite surprising, really, with yields where they are. So, I mean, I wouldn't buy it, that's for sure. And again, I think if we see the levels sort of 2030, 2050 levels, again, we've already seen a couple of times this year, I would rather be looking to reduce exposure at that sort of price. I just can't really see any reason for it to be doing so well in the current environment. On the metal side, I would definitely rather take a look at platinum. We've seen a nice pullback, quick test of the support at 1,000. With platinum, I always prefer to look at derivatives. Uh, timing a direct purchase is really tough, but if you can look at a reverse convertible or short put, you can get a strike somewhere below 950 in a decent coupon or premium. I think that becomes quite an interesting proposition. And what's on the agenda today that might affect currencies? Well, we already heard about non-farm payrolls. Interestingly, though, yesterday's ADP employment number was actually quite a lot stronger than expected, and the market didn't really seem to care much in the sense that we have a weaker dollar. So perhaps the market is less concerned with this part of the US economy, at least where the dollar's concerned. Still, coming out as it does on a Friday afternoon, this is always a piece of data that carries the potential for some excitement and volatility. Although that may be wishful thinking on my part, but I think if you manage to get into any really sharp tactical trade selling dollars, when you really got those, uh, those sort of euro dollar and sterling dollar lows, and you want to take a bit of profit, I'm never against such things. But I do still believe that a core short dollar position is the right position for now. So I would prefer not to exit completely. Helen, thank you as always for having me on the show. Thank you everyone for listening and I wish you an excellent weekend. Great. Thanks very much, Tim. Good to get your thoughts as always. Now let's move over to you now, Carsten. So the digital assets markets have been quite calm lately with prices range bound. What's your take on what we've been seeing? Well, good morning, Helen. Um, You're right. So there has not been much action in the markets as of late. That said, um, the important topics remain unchanged. It's first US regulation and second US monetary policy. In terms of U.S. regulation, I think this has taken a little bit of a backseat during the past couple of weeks as politicians were very busy dealing with the U.S. debt ceiling. Um, But this topic is unlikely going to go away and it should continue to cause noise for digital assets going forward. Meanwhile, expectations about a rapid reversal of U.S. monetary policy have softened amid a remarkably resilient uh, U.S. economy. I think this is one of the main reasons why the early year rally in digital assets has run into resistance. Okay, and this rally earlier in the year that you mentioned, my impression is that this was mainly driven by Bitcoin and Ethereum with the rest of the asset class lagging behind. Is that right? Absolutely. So since digital asset bottomed at the beginning of the year, the asset class has gained around US dollar 350 billion in market capitalization. More than 80% of that is coming from Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, The next 200 biggest tokens added another 15%, while thousands of tiny others added less than 5%. And we see very strong fundamental reasons for these developments. Um, Starting with Bitcoin, we think it is positioning itself more and more as the go-to payment token, uh, benefiting from lower volatility and also the growth 
of the Lightning Network, which enables faster transaction speeds and helps overcoming scalability shortcomings. And then, of course, the security of the Bitcoin network is underpinned by an increasing difficulty to mine new blocks, which is also reflected in a record high hash rate and mirrored in record high estimated energy consumption. So Bitcoin really seems to be on track to become, let's say, a future form of digital gold, even though it still needs to prove its status as a safe haven in times of risk aversion in financial markets. And what about Ethereum? Well, Ethereum on the other side is cementing its value proposition as the go-to smart contract solution. And the recent upgrades, uh, such as the Merge last year and Chapella this year, they really demonstrate the development potential and the ability to successfully address the network's shortcomings. While Ethereum has already the highest number of developers, next year's sharding upgrade is set to address its prevailing scalability issue and should help the network expand its value proposition. And history has also shown that, thus far, so-called Ethereum challengers fell short of their ambition. And what's happened to these Ethereum challenges like Cardano and Solana? Well, they are lagging behind in terms of developer activity. So developers are just not using them. Um, Cardano is um, a special case in the sense that the development happens in a rather slow and conservative way. So the developers, they really want to be sure that things work before upgrades are rolled out. Solana, in contrast to that, was always very fast, prioritizing speed and scalability over security, which has, however, not played out well as the network experienced frequent outages, which raised scrutiny about its reliability. All in all, then, what does this mean? Do you think we're just going to have two major layer one blockchains? That's how it seems at the moment, yes. So some sort of dualistic dominance. Um, at the moment, we really struggle to see other layer one blockchains which can compete with Bitcoin and Ethereum on a medium to long-term basis. Okay, thanks very much, Karsten, for joining me this morning. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again on Monday when I'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.